This podcast is made possible with collaboration and input from the LinkedIn Digital Transformation Group with reference to Google News and Wikipedia. Overcoming Common Mistakes in DevOps, Agile, and App Modernization Steeped as we are in corporate DevOps and Agile transformation efforts, one of the common questions we get is, what have other companies struggled with within their transformation attempts and how can we learn from their mistakes? This has inspired a short list of what we see as the most problematic anti-patterns of transformation and modernization attempts, along with strategies for overcoming these tendencies. An anti-pattern is a commonly repeated pattern of action, process, or structure that initially appears to be beneficial, but ultimately produces more bad consequences than beneficial results. Each of the four anti-patterns in our list is understandably tempting. Many IT leaders cut their teeth in a waterfall, plan-driven, and control-oriented world. It's not their fault. An agile way of leading takes practice and learning, but it also requires a bit of unlearning. While the terms digital transformation and IT transformation are used widely and at varying levels, in this paper, we're looking at efforts to radically improve business outcomes, speed, and agility by leveraging approaches such as Agile, DevOps, Cloud, and application modernization. Let's first walk through the basic reasons these four all-too-common anti-patterns result in a failure to meet even the basic expectations of such transformations and are often even detrimental to business outcomes. 1. Modernizing for modernization's sake. We know the majority of organizations today are contemplating or doing some sort of IT modernization and or digital transformation. Most are in some state of agile transformation and are looking to modernize their IT capabilities. A 2018 survey won by Statista showed only 9% of the organizations queried had not started to adopt DevOps or had no plans to do so. Everyone else is transforming or getting ready to. A rapidly growing number of organizations are pursuing cloud, shifting to microservices, getting off mainframes, or are engaging in an app modernization projects. There is nothing wrong with this, of course. Problems arise, however, when these efforts are pursued simply to modernize without specific outcomes or goals. DevOps, for example, is a means to an end, not an end state in itself. The same is true for cloud, app refactoring, mainframe migration, and other app modernization endeavors. These are not easy undertakings and require a large commitment across the organization. Likewise, agile transformations should be done with the intent to get specific benefits for the organization. Without this intent, results in many not be commensurate with the very large effort required. With both DevOps and Agile, We've seen too many organizations stop short of realizing their expected gains because they did not aim for specific outcomes. The desired outcomes should also be realistic and match what DevOps and Agile are meant to do. Some leaders have misperceptions about what an Agile transformation can accomplish. For example, we recently met with a team who believed Agile would speed up code development and was trying to calculate the cost savings they could glean. But rather than trying to get a 5% productivity gain, which is not even the goal of Agile in the first place, 
why not shoot for the larger gains Agile affords? The true benefits of Agile are more profound and more strategic. Organizations that holistically adopt Agile are able to rapidly respond to changes in the environment, including market, technology, competition, and other forces. Another key benefit that dwarfs the benefits of dev team efficiency is the ability to adjust plans quickly based on stakeholder feedback to get the right capabilities implemented to best meet the desired outcomes. Rather than meeting a set of established requirements, Agile teams work to meet business outcomes. Instead of reducing the risk of not meeting a schedule, they reduce a bigger risk, the risk of not achieving desired results and outcomes by not delivering the right features. As Mark Schwartz points out in his book, War and Peace and IT2, Microsoft found in a large study that, among requirements, only one-third of ideas actually accomplished their intended objective, another one-third actually had the opposite result, and one-third don't have either effect. This is where Agile shines, not in meeting documented requirements faster, but in implementing less of the wrong features and more of the right features. The Agile principle here is, maximizing the amount of work not done. Now, rather than a small IT development productivity gain, we're talking about much larger and more impactful productivity gains for the business overall. But if an organization just sought generic IT modernization by doing Agile it may miss the greater gains and true power of being Agile. With a DevOps transformation effort, if the goal is simply to be doing DevOps, teams may reap some nice efficiencies or local optimization through the use of automation. But the biggest results come from targeting specific and measurable desired outcomes and leveraging the pertinent DevOps practices and patterns to achieve those. Again, it's not doing DevOps for DevOps sake, but instead meeting specific goals such as improved cycle time, measurable quality gains, and or radical reductions in the meantime to repair and change failure rates. As Dora 3.6 proved in its industry-wide studies, companies that made the most use of DevOps practices, with a relentless focus on specific measurable results, improved not just IT productivity, but also company-wide results. These companies were 1. 53 times as likely to meet or exceed goals such as profitability, market share, units sold, and operating efficiency. They had 50% higher growth in market cap over 3 years 7 compared to companies that did not make this kind of deliberate and persistent use of DevOps practices. These organizations did not achieve the results by generically modernizing just because it was the latest and greatest IT trend. 2. Big Bang Transformation Another very common digital transformation and modernization anti-pattern we've observed is where organizations attempt Big Bang transformations. We know these add significant risks and rarely work. Regardless, they are still often attempted, and as a result, can set organizations back further than had they never tried the transformation in the first place. This is well documented by many of today's leading IT thought leaders. Jez Humble. Joanne Molesky, and Barry O'Reilly in 2015 provided a good overview of the risks of this phenomenon in Lean Enterprise 8, a must-read for all technology and business executives and leaders. 
They show the amusing and all-too-familiar graph of organizations oscillating between business as usual and change program with a repeated sliding back to the previous state. Beyond a Big Bang transformation being unsuccessful, it has the larger risk of reducing the appetite of leaders to attempt more change. The ultimate irony is when leaders use a Big Bang, plan-driven, waterfall approach in efforts to move off the waterfall, and go agile and adopt to DevOps. The basis of agile is to be able to adjust plans and requirements based on learnings from incremental implementation and feedback loops. This is a perfect fit for transformations, especially because of the inevitable issues, roadblocks, and cultural inertia that can only be discovered through actual implementation attempts. An agile approach allows for quick and flexible adjustments when roadblocks and constraints are discovered. The misconception by many waterfall-minded leaders is that a strict and detailed rollout plan provides more control and less risk. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the opposite is true. For anyone with doubts about this, read Mark Schwartz's earlier book, A Seat at the Table 9 which provides a compelling, and humorous, view of risk, planning, requirements, governance, and transformation, all from an agile leadership versus waterfall-based perspective. The other problem with Big Bang transformations is they tend to run long and yield results predominantly at the end of the transformation. Given the rapid pace of IT advances and changes, this often leads to the necessity of starting a new transformation again as soon as the initial transformation has been completed. The recommended pattern here is to do continuous transformation and use an agile approach. You get results as you go, and you have the flexibility to continuously adjust as the IT landscape changes. Risk is reduced through transforming in small increments, making adjustments, and removing impediments based on learning from the actions taken. Lower risk, more control, more predictability, and more results. This is the antidote for the Big Bang transformation anti-pattern. 3. One-size-fits-all adoption. This third anti-pattern, one-size-fits-all adoption, is most prominently seen with DevOps transformation efforts but is also common with shifts to cloud, microservices, and several other transformations and modernization attempts. Here's how this anti-pattern plays out for DevOps adoption. An organization has some local successes with a couple of teams but struggles to scale adoption broadly. Using the time-worn management approach, they mandate adoption and create a status tracking mechanism measuring how every team adopts the tools and becomes compliant or converted to DevOps. The problems with this approach are multifaceted. First, it rarely yields results. Second, DevOps is by definition a continuously improving endeavor, not something you finish, become compliant with, or convert to. Third, and the part most often missed, is that DevOps includes a myriad of principles, practices, patterns, and tools that can and should be applied selectively and in order of priority depending upon the specific needs, goals, current state, and challenges of each particular app or value stream. Sure. There are a few common tools and some common organizational DevOps patterns that may make sense to universally apply, but this is the exception, not the rule. The trick is to not assume all value streams within one organization have the same current state, goals, 
needs, and challenges, and not treat DevOps adoption as something that all teams must obediently comply with and check the box, unless of course the organization just wants to claim it has completed a DevOps or Agile transformation but isn't really interested in the results. There is also a very important human factor with avoiding the one-size-fits-all anti-pattern. Gary Groover, an early DevOps transformation pioneer from HP, presents a common scenario, you mandate skeptical team managers to implement DevOps, claiming it will dramatically improve speed and quality. They reluctantly comply, get limited results and say, see, it didn't really work. On the other hand, if you hold them accountable to a specific speed and quality objectives, provide them a framework of agile and DevOps principles, practices, and patterns, along with coaching and training support, and let them determine the best way to achieve those results, teams will own the results and accomplish objectives much more effectively than any mandated checklist. The one mandate we recommend executives make is for the team to adopt a disciplined, continuous improvement and transformation process, aka DevOps Kaizen. By setting the business objectives, and driving the continuous improvement process, executives will see much better transformation results than by mandating a one-size-fits-all checklist. 4. Technology and Tools Only Focus This is the grandfather of transformation anti-patterns. Intellectually, most everyone understands this, that tools are responsible for 20% of any success realized, and 80% of success is about how teams work, culture, leadership, practices, principles, and mindset. But when it comes to actual prioritizing, emphasis, and steps taken within transformation efforts, the majority of organizations expect transformations to DevOps, Agile, Cloud, etc., to be successful by simply rolling out tools, methodologies, and life cycle processes. The tools are the easiest part of the equation, while the culture change is more challenging and more difficult to measure. Focusing only on 20% of the challenge, the tools, will, at best, get you only 20% of the benefits. This critical 80-20 rule is emphasized in countless DevOps-slash-Agile leadership workshops and seminars about critical success factors in transformation and heads always nod in agreement and understanding. Then the questions start, and the majority are about tools. We also see it with companies looking for help and advice on how to scale DevOps adoption. They have experienced pockets of success with a few small unicorn teams but are struggling with scaling beyond that. They explain how they have provided and mandated a common toolchain. But they are not seeing widespread adoption, nor are they getting expected results. Tools alone are not the answer. The critical success factors for DevOps mostly center on how teams work. This includes continually adopting rapid feedback loops, continuously optimizing end-to-end -end flow, continual improvement through hypotheses and experimentation, ownership of outcomes, collaboration, eliminating silos, automation, shifting left, empowering teams, etc. Tools play an important role, but the tools are not the solution. DevOps is not a set of tools or the onboarding of tools. Not even close. 
A classic example is Jez Humble's famous Three Questions 10, where he asks an audience to raise their hands if they are doing continuous integration, which is one of many DevOps practices. All those using C tools, like Jenkins, and doing automated builds and automated testing typically raise their hands. He proceeds to have people keep their hands up only if, one, all the engineers, are, pushing their code into trunk slash master, not feature branches, on a daily basis, two, every commit triggers a run of unit tests, and three, when the build is broken, it is typically fixed within 10 minutes. The hands successively drop and, by the end, there are very few really doing C and hence really getting expected results. But the leadership team has rolled out the tools and the teams have adopted them. A similar anti-pattern exists with Agile. Teams roll out Agile by adopting not only the tool but also all the important ceremonies, such as daily stand-ups and sprint reviews, for example. These are essential initial steps but they don't mean these organizations are reaping sweeping benefits. Agility is about much more than methodology. As described in our first anti-pattern, many of these teams do agile but are not being agile. They may go through the motions, using the tools and the methodology, but without truly incorporating the agile principles, continuously improving, and adopting agile end-to-end -end across functions, especially across leadership, governance, and business, results tend to be minimal. Local optimization when adopting Agile is a very common variation of this anti-pattern, sometimes referred to as water scrum fall. The antidote to the leading transformation anti-patterns. Given these four primary transformation anti-patterns, what is the antidote? What are the best ways to prevent and avoid these traps? The first step is to understand and recognize these patterns when they happen. It seems obvious, but waterfall ways of thinking are ingrained, and organizations are often unaware of the underlying mindset, culture, and paradigm by which they are operating. In addition, we need to replace these with proven principles, disciplined implementation methods, and known successful transformation patterns. Recommendations include Think of transformation as a continuous process that never ends rather than one big transformation or even a set of large projects. Use tried and true agile principles and practices for the transformation itself, just as a team would for agile product development or maintenance, such as Prioritized epic backlogs Hypothesis and action-driven rather than plan-driven a focus on incremental results of the transformation. Doing small improvements followed by quick assessment and adjustments. Use a data-driven approach, whereby transformation efforts are applied to value streams based on their specific outcome goals and challenges. Adopt value stream mapping, the right way. Align leadership at all levels to support, encourage, and model a culture of continuous improvement where teams are empowered and accountable to measurable value stream goals. This involves sponsoring and tracking goals and Kaizen iterations, addressing organization-wide impediments, empowering teams, helping the organization fundamentally get good at getting better. Create an enablement team of coaches, rather than heavy governance and or compliance team, such as a traditional PMO. 
Partner with a service provider that applies these principles and approaches in its consulting, enablement, and delivery offerings. This partnership can help an organization become self-sufficient in its continuous transformation and modernization efforts. There are two core threads common to all these principles and patterns which are critical success factors. Leadership and Culture A system or framework for continuous transformation. First, leadership culture change is paramount. This culture shift requires multiple ingredients, too many to embellish upon in this paper, but these include a burning platform, a clear vision, and continuous development of executives, leaders, and practitioners. A good transformation consultant is highly recommended to help with this. As Dora 11 has demonstrated, culture can also be influenced and changed through consistent application of practices, such as continuous delivery. In other words, the adoption of technical practices from the bottom up can actually shift the broader organizational culture. The development of leaders and practitioners cannot be underestimated. DevOps and Agile practices and tools have minimal impact without all levels of the organization understanding and embracing a body of core philosophies that have revolutionized both IT and business. These include, but are not limited to, the Agile Manifesto, Systems Thinking, and DevOps Lean Product Development, which entail elements such as Value Stream Management, Three Ways of DevOps, Kaizen, Minimal Viable Product, and Lean Agile Leadership. This may sound like a lot, but these principles are the underpinnings of the absolute best way of developing and managing systems today. These are proven science that continues to evolve and improve. They are not fads or trends and should be considered mandatory elements of the continuous learning and development curricula by leaders and practitioners alike. As part of successful continuous transformations, leaders must understand, support, and apply lean, DevOps, and agile principles and practices. The second core thread is a system or framework for continuous transformation. Think of this as a continuous transformation factory building upon all the principles listed above. We have developed such a framework to help customers scale, prioritize and sustain this approach across their enterprise for continued results with agility. This is the ultimate antidote to the typical transformation shortcomings due to the all-too-common anti-patterns described in this paper. A message from our sponsor, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me tell you here how it works. It's free, you can register free online. Just go to Anchor.fm and register. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or desktop computer, that's how easy it is. Anchor will also help to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and many more other platforms. You can also generate income from your podcast, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. Now, you can download the Anchor apps from the Apple Store or Google Play Store. Enjoy the podcast, thanks again.
7 Best Practices for Working Remotely to Follow in 2021 Remote working today is well-defined, and it has become a norm for many organizations to manage remote teams and for individuals to work as full-time remote employees. However, the scenario was much different when remote working was a new concept for most people. Individuals who started working remotely when telecommuting has just emerged as a possibility faced a lot of challenges such as low productivity, lesser engagement, loneliness, and isolation. Even people who are making a transition to remote work nowadays often complain that they find it difficult to fit into this new work style. In such a situation, the most viable way to figure out things that work for an individual as a remote worker is to go with the trial and error method. However, apart from being a time-consuming process, you have to put extra effort to try several ideas and identify the ones that can actually help you become a productive remote worker. Eventually, you may end up worn out yourself and conclude that remote work is not your cup of tea. Well, over the years, many people have successfully overcome the challenges of working remotely. And from time to time, they have shared their secrets for staying happy and productive at a remote workplace. In this article, we are going to reveal the best practices for working remotely that are suggested by seasoned remote workers. By making these practices a part of your daily regime, you can be at your best and become a prolific remote employee. So, sit back, relax, and simply follow these practices to improve your remote working skills and become a valuable asset to your organization. Is remote working popular and widely accepted? Let's review some facts and figures. Remote working has evolved from being just another way to make ends meet into a mainstream career. The flexibility of working from anywhere is what makes remote work so popular among people. According to a study conducted by FlexJobs and Global Workplace Analytics, there was a staggering 159% increase in the growth of remote work in the U.S. between 2005 and 2017. Moreover, according to Buffer's annual report on remote work, 95% of the 2,500 remote workers said that they want to encourage others to work remotely. The same study also suggested that the biggest reason for people to work remotely is the flexible schedule followed by other reasons, including the ability to work from any location, and spending time with family. Along with being a favorable work style for many professionals, remote work is also getting attention from more and more organizations. Here are some reasons why businesses are willing to work with remote teams. In my opinion, these facts would be enough for you to keep yourself motivated as a remote employee. Now, it's time to jump and check out the list of best practices that are going to be your savior while you work remotely for any organization. Here goes the list of 7 best practices for working remotely. 1. Make communication your top priority. Working from home or a remote location doesn't mean that you have to go solo. It's highly unlikely for a team, especially a remote one, to achieve success if some or all the members play by their own rules. While it's true that communicating with your remote co-workers can never be the same as that in a traditional office environment. However, it doesn't mean that you cannot make your virtual communication highly effective. All you need to collaborate effectively with your fellow team members is to make use of the leading communication tools such as chat apps, video conferencing tools, and project management software. The success of a remote team is highly dependent on the degree to which they can communicate productively. Also, by staying connected with your team, you can avoid getting stuck in a task because you can easily get all the help from your coworkers to overcome a difficult situation with relative ease. 2. Push yourself to experiment and find ways to be more productive. 
Stop assuming that when you work from a place of your choice, you will be at your optimum productivity level throughout the work hours. In fact, while working remotely, you are most likely to skip short breaks that are extremely important to stay productive. At the office, taking a break to get your favorite snack, drink coffee, or having a water cooler chat seems so natural. However, when working away from the office, short breaks may feel like cheating with your work. However, you may be surprised to know that short breaks are among the proven tips to stay focused while working remotely. So, what you need to do is to follow the best remote working tips and try multiple productivity tools to make your remote life easy. If you feel that a certain activity like doing a stretching exercise during breaks makes you more productive, then you should make it a part of your daily work routine. Additionally, you should also experiment with other things like the height of your chair, the ambience around your workspace, clothing, etc., to identify the instances when you are more productive and less distracted. 3. Be ready to work at different times of the day. Working in a remote team means that there may be team members who are working across different time zones. As a remote worker, you can't be rigid with your working hours as someone working in another time zone might need to coordinate with you on a project task. Thus, you have to work out a solution to deal with such situations and should prepare yourself mentally to connect with a team member during non-work hours. If a portion of your work hours coincides with the work hours of your fellow mate, then you need to make sure that you capitalize and schedule all your discussions within that time window. It is also possible to choose a specific time of the day, which is suitable for both you and the other team member to carry out a meeting. But make sure that you define boundaries when it comes to availability. Obviously, no one will like to get disturbed in the middle of the night by a colleague just to tell the progress of their current task. 4. Schedule in-person meetings every once in a while. Face-to-face -face meetings are not only effective from the communication point of view but it also allows remote workers to develop a sense of trust among themselves. You must encourage in-person meetings with your colleagues from time to time to develop a personal connection with them. Usually, it's the responsibility of a team leader or project manager to arrange face-to-face -face meetings among remote team employees. However, you can also take charge and schedule a face-to-face -face meeting with one or more members of your remote team. Apparently, for big remote teams and teams whose members are separated by large geographical distances, limiting such meetings to once or twice a year is the best option. However, connecting over a video conference is the next best thing to a face-to-face -face session that remote teams should practice. 5. Socialize and put effort to strengthen your bond with the team. Socializing is imperative to reinforce your bond with your remote colleagues. You should spare some time to interact and socialize with people with whom you are working as a team. At some point, after you start working from home, you may start feeling lonely, and the isolation that seems to be the best part of remote work tends to slide a sense of unease in you. To keep yourself motivated and feel connected with your team, you need to dedicate efforts to understand your teammates. It's a good idea to create a separate chat group with your teammates where you can discuss things that are related to work. Also, you can have social video sessions, where you all talk on random topics and even show others your pet who is your roommate. Another popular way to bring remote teams together is to conduct various remote team building activities and games. These activities and games create a funnel for team members to know about the personalities, likes and dislikes of each other. 6. Establish a clear borderline between work and life. Usually, while working from home, the difference between work and personal life becomes fuzzy. As a result, you may fail to recognize the difference between your professional and personal life. 
it will become a habit to work and check work emails outside the work hours. So, what you need to do is to draw a clear line between work and non-work hours. You need to unplug yourself completely once you are done with your defined work hours. Working for extra hours regularly will result in burnout and also compromise your health. Therefore, you need to switch off all the devices that you use for work. In case you are a single device for both personal and professional use, you can turn off or mute notifications related to work. 7. Acknowledge your presence and be accountable. Unlike a traditional office, nobody is watching you and they have no hint of what you are working on. So, what you need to acknowledge your presence among your colleagues and manager is to inform them about the tasks that you are currently doing. Even if your manager forgets to ask you about your current assignment, you need to voluntarily tell them the status of your work. Also, ask for feedback from your manager or immediate supervisor to let them know that you are an active member of the team. Another useful tip to become visible to your remote team is to reply quickly to the messages and comments. Also, if you are using project management software like ProofHub, you can initiate and participate in discussions, create notes and share them with colleagues, mark the progress percentage of a task from time to time, and chat with team members in real time to enhance your visibility. Conclusion The trend of remote working is rising exponentially all thanks to the flexibility that individuals get when they work from a space of their choice. Moreover, many experts even believe that remote work is the future of the modern world and we all need to embrace it sincerely. While you start working as a remote worker, it will be good if you follow the best practices for working remotely mentioned in this article as these practices will help you to settle into your new workplace easily. Five ways to start earning money with the skills you already have. The CEO of Airtasker USA says that taking advantage of flexible work allows you to keep an income while you experiment and determine the path you want to take with your career. Is my current job worth it? That's what is on the minds of anywhere from 41% to 95% of workers who are planning on quitting their current job due to inflexible work schedules and or burnout. Whether you're looking to switch up your career entirely or just find a new way of making some extra cash on the side, there are a few new methods slash outlets of making money in the post-pandemic world. When the COVID pandemic struck, we were met with human heartbreak and economic destruction. But during the months that followed, when people were forced to work from home, study, or find alternative ways to support themselves and their families, things changed. 1. Flexible work is here to stay, we're at an economic inflection point. We need to reimagine the future of work by embracing flexible opportunities. That means letting people set their prices, control their schedules, and earn more meaningful incomes in ways that suit them. 2. Consumer demands are shifting. After experiencing an unprecedented consumption shock, consumer spending behaviors changed. Digital adoption accelerated, more money is being spent on home nesting, and consumers have an appetite for new types of services that fit their evolved lifestyles. 3. Technology has drastically changed the landscape, while software-enabled platforms and on-demand marketplaces have been around for some time, they were just the beginning of the evolution our workforce is experiencing. The value of e-commerce and marketplaces is undeniable. They are crucial to the job market, and consumers not only value them, but expect continued platform enhancements. We rediscovered our passions, 
reprioritized our spending, and ushered in a new era of productivity and connectedness. Getting started. If you're looking for new avenues to make money and gain more flexibility with your career, the resilience we saw from workers during the lowest points of the pandemic has some key takeaways that can help you get started. Flexible labor provides a safe landing pad for people. While full-time work is very binary, flex work is not. Taking advantage of flexible work allows you to keep an income while you experiment and determine the path you want to take with your career. During this initial phase, you'll want to have the opportunity to discover what work you can create for yourself rather than doing a job that's created for you. Here's how you can dive in. 1. Tap into your local community. Potential customers are right in your backyard. From getting their taxes done on time to find a technical writer, handyman, or someone to help assemble furniture, people are looking for local service providers. Start with managing the work requests in your local area to establish yourself before scaling. Consumers are also looking for ways to support local workers, so your community is an ideal place to start acquiring customers and receiving feedback. 2. Join an open marketplace. Open marketplaces allow you to browse feeds and determine what types of services people are looking for so you can gain a better understanding of the demand for your skill or craft. While there are a number of platforms out there, finding one that's free to join will allow you instant access with low risk. 3. Respond to jobs on platforms, get to work and start responding to jobs. Accepting and completing jobs also results in reviews and ratings that can help you win future work while you establish yourself and build trust as a go-to-service provider. The people who get out there early have a huge advantage in owning the market share. 4. Share your skills by teaching. Take advantage of teaching platforms like Udemy and Spyi to establish yourself as a knowledgeable expert. By serving as a resource and sharing your expertise, you also articulate the value of your skill set and enhance your credibility. 5. Leverage social media. Highlight your passions and skills on social media to build your brand and a following. Social media channels provide a way for you to personify your brand, create meaningful connections, and drive awareness of your offering. Sustaining a career and maintaining a meaningful income. Once you successfully monetize your skills and identify the best ways to source customers, there are several ways to support long-term sustainability and ensure your new venture continues to work for you. Utilizing marketing tactics to constantly enhance your online presence will help you scale. Additionally, adding verifications and qualifications will help you further build your brand and elevate your credibility and reputation. It's essential to nurture trust and be transparent as consumer trust is everything. Following through on your commitments and being transparent will go a long way. As the landscape continues to quickly evolve, monitoring advancements, and new platform launches will help you become an early adopter, setting you apart from the competition and giving you a leg up in your respected area of work. We're experiencing a pivotal time in history. Both workers and consumers are driving workforce changes that are shaping the future alongside technology advancements. Whether you're looking for an entirely new career path or alternative ways to bring in income, now is the time to take action and uncover how you can monetize the skills you already have Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. 
Please also support us by clicking the support button at our page anchor.fm forward slash Mayfors, M-A-I-F-O-R-S. That's all for today. Hope you enjoy the podcast. We will see you again in the next episode. Have a great day. Take care and stay safe.